Welcome to the Catalyst Church Podcast. We're here up in Humboldt County, California. We're glad you're with us. We hope that you're blessed and that you find peace and grace in the Word of God today. Hey, good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you. Uh, My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here. Bethany, nice to see you all here. Yeah. Glad that you joined us today. Yeah, we're going to be uh, tag teaming uh, the message today, and uh, we'll be, uh, we're in the middle of our, wrapping up, getting towards the end of our Advent season, Um, and which is, uh, it's been a good one so far, and and we've been looking at the Gospel of John, the first chapter only, Um, and so this week we're going to be looking at verses uh, 15 through 18, and, but before we get started, um, I'm going to offer a word of prayer, and then... um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll see, where, see where this goes. All right. Lord, thanks for uh, bringing us together this morning. Um, we pray for your anointing on this time mm-hmm. and anointing on any of the words that come out of our mouth. Um, may they just be pleasing and offering to you. Um, we thank you for the grace you've given us and the grace received. Mm-hmm. In the name of Christ Jesus, amen. Amen. So I want to read John 1, 1 to 18, even though we're only going to be sitting in 15 to 18. uh, This is the passage we've been in for the last five weeks. Um, And it's super familiar to most of you because we've been sitting in it for a while. So as I read it, maybe you need to um, open up your hands or kind of situate yourself into your chair a little differently. Take a deep breath, maybe even close your eyes and allow the words to become new to you once again. Uh, Because I think that there's a lot of meaning here that we certainly haven't covered and the Holy Spirit wants to bring new meaning to you. So here we go. John 1, 1 to 18. I'm reading from the New International Version. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of the fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. 
No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is, made, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. May the Lord add a blessing to this reading. Thanks be to God. So when we, um, after reading this, uh, one of the things that we, I thought you wanted to start with was um, kind of the prologue or sort of the beginning yeah. of, of where John is, is rooting himself. Yeah, because so this is like the end of this portion of, of John's gospel. It's the prologue is what it's called. You mean the um, end of chapter one. The, the, no, it's just the end of this part of the oh, chapter one. Right. Gotcha. There's still quite a lot in chapter one. And so this is like, it's almost like John's trying to create a foundation for the rest of his entire gospel. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, these are the things that are most important. And this sort of foundation, this like preamble, the rest of my gospel, the rest of like my understanding of God through Jesus Christ is, is um, basically like case study after case study hmm. that bears witness to this preamble, this prologue, what we've, what we just read. So it's like the, all of Jesus's interactions with people and his miracles and um, everything that he did, it, it fits within the context of what John has just written here to us, which I think is what we're going to see actually today when we, um, when we finish up this prologue today. So, so if you had to say, uh, so you've used the words preamble and prologue, and I know those, <laughs> those, those uh, may resonate with some, but I feel like there might be some, maybe some different language. Um, yeah, thesis statement. Thesis statement. So, <laughs> so I was thinking of like, um, like the bass note. Mm. You know how like when you listen to a song and there's just that, that note, and I am not a musician, so if you are a musician. We apologize. We apologize. <laughs> uh, please correct us. But you know how there's that, there's that sort of cadence or that rhythm to the to yeah. whatever song or you're listening to or even a poem you read or a book you read yeah. or um, and there's something that just like kind of carries it. Yeah, it's like it roots it or, or like um, holds it steady. This like steady, steady thing that you can keep coming back to a rhythm that you're like a consistency that you're looking for. Something so, that brings you back to what is the meaning behind the meaning. The meaning behind the meaning. So what would you say John is bringing us back to? So based on like this portion of scripture, I would say that he is bringing us to creation. Like he's reaffirming creation, considering that he starts his, his gospel out with like in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So it's very Genesis language. Um, I think he's rooting it in the physicality like the, mm -hmm. of creation. Um, creation is oftentimes considered God's first language. Like the first, Ooh, that's good. the first thing that God's that God spoke out, the way that God really reveals God's self is through creation, and the pinnacle of that is through um, God's image bearers, these icons. Us, we are created in the image of God, and so there's this affirmation of the physicality of humanity throughout, not just throughout John's gospel, but we see that within Jesus Christ Himself, being God in flesh which we looked at last week with that right. passage in verse 14, the word of God became flesh. And it's like the, the voice of God took shape yeah. through the physicality. Through the physicality. So so the things that we see throughout this gospel, this mm -hmm. whole, like, if we say it's a case study, essentially, then we see case studies out of, um, you know, Jesus' first uh, miracle where he turns water into wine. So there's, like, this physicality that happened in that moment, and but also created things, creation becoming something 
more than it originally was. Um, when Jesus healed the blind man, he, he spit into the dirt and then he created mud and he put it on the man's eyes. So there's like this physicality of, re of, of human, humanity and creation. The dirt, the rocks, the rivers, the trees. Yeah. And even, even the way that Jesus talks about God's kingdom or even has conversations with people, he talks about the physicality of things. Like he says, he uses examples of like a harvest or a, a vineyard or birds in the air. He uses um, examples like sheep or bread, um, living water. He talks about that too. And you know, he's the vine and we're the branches. There's this like affirmation of creation and the physicality of creation where um we're like the whole thing is about god's affirmation of humanity again yeah. and again yeah that's good that's good so it's almost kind of like uh like god so, so like god hungers for um like like a relationship with the creation and when yeah. we have like a relationship with the created order that sort of changes our perspective of how we even view God, maybe. Yeah, well, if, if we're saying that creation is God's first language, then when we affirm what God has created, uh, when we live into that sort of created mm -hmm. order that God spoke into existence, then we are, it's like we've we've joined into that base note. Like we've kind of plugged ourselves into this underlying current that has been a part of creation all underlying along. Underlying current. <laughs> is that there, what we're looking that's for? That's good. Well, boy, we've been looking for stuff, but that's good. Base note, underlying current. Yeah, yeah. The key. I think it's Richard Rohr who calls it a divine dance. Oh, the divine dance. That's yeah, good. something yeah. that's been happening forever, whatever forever means even. It's something that our brains can't quite comprehend. But yet God has invited us in to participate mm -hmm. in a different sort of way. And so that, that base note, that underlying current, John is like so clear about what that is. It's not mm -hmm. just creation. It's not just the physicality. It's something that's bigger that John keeps pointing us to. And I, and I believe that that is the love of God. And the love of God is seen best through grace. And so that's what we're going to mm -hmm. kind of root ourselves in today is that that key that that octave that that is happening the underlying current the, underlying the thing current. you can't see but you were you are so aware of <laughs> yeah at times sometimes yeah. we're not sometimes we're not paying attention we're not aware of the right. current but it's still there well and that's why advent is such a an incredible experience because it mm. it demands we step back to actually pay attention to that to that beautiful music that has happened all along. Yeah, we have to be willing to receive Advent though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, there's definitely, I mean, and that's the thing about grace is that we, grace is freely given and there's nothing that we can do to, to, um, to earn grace, but yet there is a participation, like a, a posture that we have that to be a receiver of that grace. Mm. Um, so there is definitely like a, I can't earn it, but I definitely have to respond. I'm, I'm, cho I'm choosing to respond. That's good. That's good. Yeah, so let's go into the passage. Are you good with that? Yeah, let's do it. All uh, right. So verse 15. Yeah, it says, John testified concerning the word made flesh, Jesus, and he cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he has come before me. This is like, it's almost like a tongue twister of language. It's like, it feels like Dr. Seuss may have wrote that. Hmm. Um, but the, the thing that John is trying to express is that, you know, even though I'm older than Jesus and they're cousins, and so of course there's like this familiarity between them, 
John is admitting, or he's, he's pointing to this, um, that Christ is this underlying current that has been around from the very beginning of time. And he's saying, even though I may have been born before him, he has come before me and he has far surpassed me. And then later he even says, I have to become less so Christ can become greater. Um, and there's this like, it's like such a witness, I think, uh, to me. <coughs> I, I feel like it witnesses to me because I think so much of my life and so many parts of our lives in general is is like trying to get to the, to the top. Like, like, how do I get to the very top of my career, the very top of my family, the very top of the birth order, the very top of, of you know, the influence that I can have on people. The, the illusion of the ladder. Yeah, the illusion of the ladder. <coughs> like, I'm trying to climb as fast and hard and regardless of who's below me, um, the collateral damage all around me. Um, and John is saying, it's not about that. Yeah, and, and uh, for those of you who are our seniors, mm-hmm. um, you know, you've imparted wisdom to us that um, when you think you've reached whatever the top is, it's not there. there there's just more. Yeah. And, it's, and it really is sort of an illusion. Um, and there's sort of a letting go and a surrendering to um, that, that idea. And I think yeah. John, emphas- John emphasized this. You know, one of the things I was thinking about that was so powerful, it came out actually in Bible study. Um, I can't remember who said it, but... You know, John walked with Jesus. Um, John the author. John the author mm-hmm. walked with Jesus. But yeah. then, you know, 40, 50 years later, writes about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and I love that he just, throughout his whole life, you know, he has, he, at, towards the end of his life, he has the opportunity to either, like, point to Christ or not. Mm-hmm. You know, and he chooses, like, the wisdom of, like, saying, no, no, it really is about grace it really is about god's love for this world it really is it's true and he experienced it and and he couldn't contain it but write it down yeah um sometimes we have to do that right sometimes we have to write it down write the truth down that's right powerful and putting a pen to paper yeah or a chisel to stone in some point in time (laughs) let's keep going it says in verse uh 16 Hmm. out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Mm. So this is that base note. This base is that note. underlying this is the current. Underlying current. That's right. So, Jesus, John is saying like, um, out of the fullness of Christ, out of this like super abundance of God, like this overflowing abundance of God, everyone like we have all received grace on top of grace, and so that means that grace is you know, just to define what grace is. Grace is it's hard to define. Jason and I have been like trying to figure out how do we make this clear because we all understand what grace is, but at the same time, it becomes a word that can really lose meaning or lose the um, the weight, like the the meat, like the the meat behind the mm. word. Uh, I mean, grace is love and mercy of God that's given, that's um, like freely given, freely bestowed, unmerited. There's nothing that we can do to earn it, and we kind of talked about that already. But there's like this. It's, it's just that God has so much and God simply desires to lavish it upon all things, creation and created order and all, all things. Like it's, it's like God can't help God's self, but expand out, you know? I asked, uh, I always think it's important to ask children mm. what they think of words because as adults, I think we get caught up in our own minds sometimes more than our kids. Yeah. And I asked Isaac, the great Isaac Shea, 
Um, <laughs> I said, hey, Isaac, so tell me your first reaction, or what's the first thing that comes to your mind when I, see, when I say the word grace? And he goes, um, kindness, kindness, kindness that is received even when it's not deserved. He said that? Yeah. I love that. Um, and kindness given. Mm. Kindness received and kindness given. It's so good. I love that. Thanks for thanks for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think and I think that's kind of what you're getting at is that the the grace upon grace is there's kind of what two parts to it, right? Well, yeah. There's like this this like foundation of grace that I think is just the way God created all things. God Should we created call it underlying current. The underlying current. There's like this foundation, yeah, underlying current of grace. But then the grace on top of grace is that grace is where we start and then we just go beyond it we just expand because grace is where we start but then grace is also where we like continue forward so we we start at grace and then we continue forth in grace and mm. um grace is only mentioned actually in this prologue throughout the rest of the book of john the word grace which is charis is not mentioned once no john or paul mentions it yeah i mean other authors a ton i mean it's mentioned i think like 141 times in in the in the scriptures so it's not like an uncommon term it's just john it seems like john is so is so specific and intentional with only mentioning grace here because the entire rest of john's gospel is what grace looks like in action so grace is mentioned in word here and then we see grace in action through jesus christ throughout the entire gospel so grace is um we we get to see what grace looks like. We get to see what grace smells like or what grace feels like or what grace sounds like. All of it in these descriptions are Jesus Christ, the embodiment of grace. And so I was thinking grace tastes like bread and wine. Grace sounds like a kind word of inclusion and acceptance. Grace smells like fish that's barbecued on a beach. Grace feels like rough carpenter hands washing dirty feet. And grace looks like suffering with flesh torn off while dying on a cross. I think when we come into the physicality of grace, it's not simply an abstract word that we say in church or that we talk about somebody who dresses really nicely and carries herself with such grace and dignity. It, it actually, we, we see the incarnation of grace, where grace actually slid into the vulnerability of skin and walked among us. That's what you see throughout the entire Gospel of John, but what he's talking about here is that grace is something that is not just what we can talk about in church, it's like so expansive. It goes beyond anything that we've ever known. So I was thinking about this today because I, I think sometimes we think of grace as like something that we're going to get to someday. Like we're going to understand it and arrive someday. But the thing is, is that who we are already as human beings and what we've received from God has been with us all along. If we start at grace, we're already there. We've already arrived, but then there's like this growth that happens throughout our lives, this growth in knowledge, this growth in joy, this growth in understanding of what is already ours, what has already been given to us, what has already been gifted to us. 
So whether it's our identity, who we are as people, or whether it's our understanding of grace, like who I am, God already made that real. God already spoke that into existence. God already made me uniquely Bethany. And for that, I'm so grateful. And I'm always growing in who I am, but it's not like I'm going to arrive one day. I start at point A and I want to get to point B and finally I'll be more fully myself. It's more like a, a pastor friend of mine uses this description of like, um, of, of like a tree and how every year there's a, an expansion of growth. The tree hasn't changed its, you know, carbon footprint or I don't, I don't even know what the word is. The, the tree hasn't like changed its identity or its DNA or whatever it is that it makes up a tree. Mm -hmm. That the essence of the tree is still the same, but every the year, the <laughs> But every year it expands and grows a little bit more of who the tree already is. We get to grow in who we already are. We're not arriving at some place someday. We get to just expand into who we already are. So we look back on our lives and we see these like traumas that have happened or we see these hard church experiences or we see this area of our theology that might not fit where we are today. And we're like, how did I possibly believe that about God? Well, it's still part of who we are. It's still part of our story. We've just expanded a little bit more. And sometimes we look at our life and we're like, well, we're not expanding fast enough, but it, everything happens at the pace it happens. And we get to be who we are in the midst of that pace. There's Anything a, on that you want to well, share? Well, you know, the, the thing that came to me during it, there was a couple things. So one was, um, you know, last week or the week before that, we taught on the prodigal son mm -hmm. briefly. And, you know, kind of, I'm not going to rehash the whole parable, but the very ending, you know, when the son comes back and, and the father says to the son, all that I have mm -hmm. is yours. Mm-hmm. And I almost feel like that's one of the most powerful phrases in all of the Bible. Yeah. Um, because I think it illustrates grace, this expansive grace that you're, you're talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that, it's that idea that God says, all that I have is yours. I mean, literally, that's like the beginning of the, the, the underlying current that happened yeah. at the beginning of creation that John just emphasizes here, you know, when he talks about the Lagos, 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 mm -hmm. Lagos. Um, at the beginning of creation is that like, look, all that I have is yours. I mean, God can't help contain, but he can't, he can't contain what he has except just to share it. Yeah. Um, so good. And, and, uh, but it's hard to receive sometimes. Um, yes. I think there's things in the ways there's, there's distractions, there's trauma and past hurts and, and there's, there's lies that we believe about ourselves mm -hmm. um, that say we're not enough. Mm -hmm. but, what, but what we see with our beloved creator through Christ is that all that I have is yours. Everything. Yeah. Which means we have everything we need. We have everything we need. But I think that's true. Like there are some lies that get in the way. There's things that distract us. There's things that tell us that we actually aren't enough and we don't have everything we need. So we have to take more and we have to tear others down to get ahead and all these different sorts of ways of being that are in conjunction with that underlying current, that base note. And so what we see right here in verse 17, John writes, for the law was given through Moses. So the law was something that 
helped people stay in tune with that base note. It was something to keep people tethered to that reality that God's grace abounded with the people. The law was given to take the lies away and allow people to see something else that God was up to. Now, the law eventually became its own sort of um, weighty sort of thing that kept people from seeing God's mercy all the time, uh, in, in some ways, not all the time, but some ways. But then it goes on and he says, so for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So not only is the grace of God so lavish and extravagant, it's not only the foundation we stand on, but it's grace upon grace, mm -hmm. but the truth is the thing that reminds us of that grace and it reminds us of the things that are going wrong around us. So the truth mm -hmm. puts the mirror up to our face so we can actually see the lies that we have told or the lies that we believe that have been told to us. It helps us see the world for what it is. Jesus Christ helps us see the world for what it is and the way the world is in such dire need of grace. Mm. Without truth, grace doesn't actually, I mean, we just, we, could, we can't actually grab a hold of the grace. Truth reminds us of who we are mm. and whose we are. Mm. Wish I had something to add to that, but that's... <laughs> okay, well, we'll just finish on verse 18. It says, No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So just as like that expansive sort of the rings on a tree that grows and expands over time, there's something within that base note underlying current that John wants us to see. And it's not super obvious at first here, beyond the grace part. It's all grace. I just, we can't get enough of this. But it's this word here that uh, it says in, is in the closest relationship with the Father. That word is not used in the rest of the gospel. It is not a common word that's used. Um, and in some of your Bible translations, it might say bosom, um, closest relationship with the Father is bosom, and that's the correct way to translate it. Um, it is the word kulpos, and it, it it's this word picture, that word picture of bosom, if you can think of like right here, it's like this word picture that shows deep intimacy, this tenderness, this this abiding trust from one person to another person. And I, I imagine this like unique expression of relationship that you see within the triune God, this like this closest relationship that it says here that, that Jesus is in closest relationship with the Father. It, it shows this beautiful relationship, this unique expression within the triune God um, that, that is it's this, ima I imagine a woman who is feeding her child, who is holding her child so close to her body and that child is sustained by her, receives everything that child could ever need from their mother. Mm. And this is not sexual language. We tend to over-sexualize everything. This is part of the truth that God, that Jesus wants to show us, that we, that we tend to, to make things that are beautiful and we pervert it into something that is, that is not as beautiful. So this is not sexual language. This is deeply intimate language of what trustworthy friendship looks like. 
And this word picture that John wants the reader to obtain and keep with them it, it is because later on he uses the same word picture again, only one other time. And he uses it in John 13. Turn there. And it's just after Jesus washes his disciples' feet. That beautiful picture of servant love. And it says here in verse, let me see, where did I find it? I should have looked it up. Just... Verse 23. It says, one of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. And so John is talking about himself here, apparently. But that same little part, the one, the disciple whom Jesus loved, that word is the same that is used right here, the one that's closest relationship, that bosom word. And it's used to uniquely express this relationship between John and Jesus. This like relationship between the father and the son is the same as the relationship between the son and us. And John sees every part of his life being sustained by and held by this intimate friendship with Jesus, this friendship where true life is found and it is the same one that we are invited into as well. And this is what grace looks like. This is this like unmerited friendship where no matter how many times we fail at being a good friend to Christ, Christ never fails at being a good friend to us. This is like an opportunity for such a depth of closeness that includes this endless invitation, grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Mm. I think, um, I just want to say, church, if you might be feeling like you need to be held mm. closely by God, um, and you might just need to sit, sit there and just let God hold you, mm. um, let the creator of the universe hold you yeah. deeply, um, I mean, I keep getting that picture of the bosom, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it's really powerful imagery because of, you know, just, you know, what you imagine, you know, yeah. and it's, it's, it's any relationship you've been in, in the past where that, you know, that level of trust and confidence and belief that the person loves you for who you are yeah. is like fully there. And I think that's what God wants us to see. I think that's sometimes we just need to let God hold us. Yeah. So friends, may you have that same confidence that John had with Jesus. May you know that you are the disciple who Jesus holds so close to his heart that you get to be in that abiding relationship, that ever expansive grace upon grace. And may you know this Advent season that God is so close, that God is near, and that we are waiting in expectation for something beautiful that has already come close. Go in God's grace. Go in God's grace. Amen.